I am reading today's scripture, but I feel like you all should expect this from me as of now. Um, I'm actually going to say something for a minute before I read scripture. So you know how at the end of our scripture reading, we say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. By a show of hands, do you all know why we say that? Like if anyone has any idea, like maybe Tim wants to raise his hand. Yeah? Yes, I see you in the back. Okay, yes, two, two hands. So, you know, sometimes when we have traditions and ways of doing things, I think it's nice to know why we do them. Don't you all think that would be nice to know? Yeah, maybe just a little bit? Okay. So if you could indulge me. Thanks, Tim. So I'm going to take a minute to read something um, that will help us understand why we say this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I'm actually going to say that at the end of our scripture reading. I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And you all are going to say, thanks be to God. Okay, now I'm going to tell you why we're going to do that. We say together as a community of faith that scripture's primary author is God, who chose to use humans for his greater purposes of communicating to his people. This is the word of the Lord does not merely communicate a recognition of the value or truthfulness of scripture. It roots the value and truthfulness in God's decision to communicate and create a community. Hmm, interesting. When we respond to the reading of scripture with thanks be to God, we aren't merely agreeing with the designation of the words read as the word of the Lord. We are echoing 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. In a way that the best rhythms, liturgies, or spiritual disciplines can work, this regular language, so I'm actually citing an author, she says, this regular language has grown in me an instinctive posture of thankfulness, even when the passage is confusing, sounds strange, or seems contradictory, this one little practice has made it natural for me to respond, thanks be to God, when scripture is read. The simple practice of expressing our gratitude to God for his word reminds us that the Bible is not a static sorry, artifact that we stand over whether with a personal or political agenda, but a word of authority that stands over us. So when we say, this is the word of the Lord, we can think, wow, this is something incredible that God has inspired through humans, written to and for a community. And this is a word of authority that stands over us. And so we're so grateful for God's guidance um, to us and God's authority over us. Okay, so now for our scripture reading. So I am reading, you all can actually follow behind me um, from Revelation. So Revelation 12, 7 through 12. And actually, I just, I copied and pasted the scripture. Okay, I wanted to make sure I was reading the right thing. I am. Revelation 12, 7 through 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, 
that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. I know we don't often think of um, Christmas in terms of Christmas battle. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that would work at a, at, a, at a party here just in the next couple weeks. Just like, hey, uh, what's your favorite Christmas battle? Um, it just, it, it, that, won't, that won't work. That won't work. Uh, but I, I do love some battles now. I do. Um, Saving Private Ryan. Gruesome, gruesome scene, you know, D-Day. And what's amazing about that is it, it, it gives you this picture of, of these 18-year-olds who have, their parents have, put all the energies that you put into your kids, meal after meal, grade after grade, development, growing, seeing them, just 18 years, and they get off the boats, and one bullet, boom. And you think, what a waste. What a waste. But as the movie goes on, and other movies like it, you realize, oh, you get a sense of a great cause, a great cause. And there's a worthiness and there's a nobility to this gruesomeness, this battle. What, what was it in vain? I've, I've got another one, 300. I know, I know it's gruesome, so I don't commit it to your children. You know, you don't want your pastor committing that to your children, do you? But, but, but the underdog, the underdog, and, and then they develop the storyline, you know, for just these few uh, uh, protecting Sparta and family and democracy and blah, blah, blah. It was a little dramatized. But a good battle that, that, that defies the odds for something worthy and good. Gladiator. Um, you guys, uh, 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 the second home that my wife and I bought, it was the first time I was able to install my own 10-speaker surround sound system. And this, is, this dates me a little bit, and so you can laugh, but I, I got my first Blu-ray player with this amazing surround sound. And, and the first Blu-ray I bought was Gladiator. 
And I turned that sucker up. And like the catapults were going off in the trees. <laughs> Don't ask me to do that again. And, and, and I enjoyed it and so did all of our neighbors. Um, and looking back now, they were probably foraging into the, Go the Visigoth territories, a little colonialistic, but you know, uh, we had I had main character syndrome, so I was so glad the Romans won that fight. Uh, last of Mohicans, early Daniel Day-Lewis, right? The ambush scene, and he's running to Madeline Stowe. I don't even know her character's name. It's been that long. Cora, <laughs> who's, Carl knows it, of course Carl knows it, of course, uh, yeah, yeah, man, that's a good battle scene, that's a good battle scene, two towers, that's a good battle scene, Helm's Deep, <laughs> those of you who have not read Lord of the Rings, I will not subject you to the lore, right, but there's too many orcs, they're just overrun and, and, they're in the, the middle part of the, the mountain there, and all is lost. And then Aragorn says to Theoden, let's ride out. Let's just ride out. Let's do it. Let's go out fighting for Rohan. And, and he's like, yes. Yeah, we'll do this thing. And they ride out, and they're going to die, right? But then what happens? Gandalf, with, <laughs> with the, the sun dawning, comes charging down that 45 degree angle, very unrealistic, very unrealistic. Um, and you are like, yeah, die, orc, die. <laughs> um, all right, so, so this is why, there's this aspect of Christmas, and it's in Revelation 12, that you, we just can't escape it, it's martial. And by martial, I mean it's battle-like, it's war-like, I know we're not supposed to praise war, but when you see this, you're like, yes, this battle is Christmas. <laughs> and when you know the story and when you know the stakes, when you look at the aims of both sides, like when you know like what Soren's going to do and you know what the other king, Aragorn's going to do, you're like, no, 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 no. Look, look, look. I don't think any of us want an NPR or HBO documentary about the poor plight of the Irakai. Like, nobody's going to, like, well, you know, let's, maybe they're disaffected and we just don't understand and here's a microphone. Like, like no one cares about the Orcs because they know the Amosorn is to absolutely oppress the known Earth. Or Middle Earth, thank you, nerds. Like me. Um... Sauron is not just a misunderstood misanthrope like, like Gru in Minions. Like, oh, he just needed to be around some cute young girls, right, and adopt them. Um, Voldemort isn't going to change when he runs into some kind Hogwarts students who just see his inner person for the first time. Like, that's not part of the story. Um... Let me just tell you this. Revelation 12 as a Christmas battle is not a Christmas Hallmark movie. You guys know, you guys, we could, you know the plot of every Christmas Hallmark movie. There's a New Yorker coming through a small town. And her car breaks down. And there she meets in the diner 
what? The grumpy, lonely, grieving single husband or husband, man, right? With single father. And their love reignites the meaning of Christmas. Ta-da! Every Christmas Hallmark movie. Um, you, can write, you will make a lot of money. Write that script. Take it, take it. It's a great plot line. Uh, but Revelation 12 is, is not a Christmas Hallmark movie. We get this battle, and we love the battle. We love the battle. Um, Revelation is apocalyptic. A lot of people have said it's very metaphorical and poetic, and it's true. But did you know that it's a very unique form of literature that's apocalyptic, and we don't really have other genres like it unless it's in the future and end of times. And so I, what the danger is because we don't have corollary of other types of literature like this is the danger is to make one-to-one in um, comparisons and say, I understand what all the imagery means. No, you don't understand what all the imagery means because it's in the future. I don't understand what all the imagery is. But we're given enough just broad sense to be like, oh, I think I get what's going on. I, I would just, I would take care when you look at Revelation is every single generation of Jesus' church has thought that they are living in the end times. And so, if you're like, hey, look, I've, I've read the signs, and I think I know what nations are what. In no, like every generation has done that. We don't know. We don't know. We know that Jesus is coming back. I mean, I, I had a professor once, and I think I've said this story, is in Hebrew, you have a Hebrew alphabet. It goes Aleph, um, Bet, Gimel, Dalet. It's like, alphabet, like our ABCs, right? And the wow symbol in Hebrew is um, the sixth position, and that's how ancient Hebrews would, that they would use letters in their position of the alphabet as corresponding numbers, so the fifth position is five, and the fourth position is four. Well, the wow looks, um, is that wah sound, and it's in the sixth position, and so he thought 666 is wah, 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 oh, that's www, that's, that, the internet is the sign of the beast. And, and, and like, he was generally reasonable, like, I'm just saying, you have people just creating crazy conspiracy things. You think the stuff on YouTube about political stuff is conspiracy. Run into a person who's like, I understand what revelation means. <laughs> they have got some stories for you. And so I, just, I, I tell you, as, as a believer, is when you approach revelation, just approach it with appropriate caution. Say, oh, this is about the future, and I can't be dogmatic about what it means. I can't be dogmatic about what it means. But this is what we get enough of the story arc to hear this. We have this great dragon capable of consuming, wrecking, and destroying everything. And then there's, a, and this is in Revelation 12, there's a mother and a child, and the child grows up to defeat the dragon. Now, if you've been in the church, you can overlay and you say, oh, I bet you I can, I know who is who. And you'd be right. You'd be right. The evil one, Satan, Beelzebub, the angel of beauty and light, um, is thrown out of the castle precincts, the, the seat of cosmic universal power, and he's thrown to earth, and he's limited to earth. His cronies, demons, are limited to earth. And there's a time, it says in Revelation 12, where the dragon's going down permanently. Okay. 
In Revelation 12, we get this. We get a Christmas battle that has happened where the good guys won. And we look back at that first advent and say, oh, that child in the manger grew up to defeat the dragon. And he defeated him on the cross. And he defeated him with an empty tomb. And because of that, he's thrown to earth and he's limited. This is huge. What did we win in that battle? And we get this from Revelation, uh, the, the, the verse 10 in Revelation 12. Listen, it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. All throughout the scriptures, there's many different names for Satan. The most beautiful of angels. Um, he's a perverter. Like he takes good things and twists them. Um, he's a destroyer. He's a liar or a deceiver. We see that. Um, but far and away, I mean, those are terms that are used, but far and away, I'm talking, look at the Old Testament now. Far and away, the most predominant term for Satan is the accuser. It's as if this, this is the imagery in Revelation 12. It's as if this angel, for some reason that I don't know, is allowed access to the throne of God. And he's there talking to the Father. And do you know what he's doing? He's accusing us. Us. And he's just ticking off the things that he sees. He's enumerating them and he's taking account and he's taking notes. Did you see? Did you see Tim again? Did you hear Tim again? Yep, he did it again. Again. Did you see that disloyal move? Yep, he did it again. He's like the most annoying tattle you knew in, in elementary school. Just talking to the father. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Accusing, accusing, accusing. Now, this is the thing. He is known for being the father of lies, but at this point, he's telling the truth to the father. It's, it's as if he's allowed access because he's telling the truth. They are blowing it again. It's true. They stink. They did it again, again, again. Look, look at the data. Look at that video evidence. Look, 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 and it's true. And then the cross comes, and the cross covers you, and the <laughs> covers me. And the accuser has nothing else to say. Why? Because you're covered. Did you see? Yeah, covered. Did you? Jesus. Jesus. 
And it's at this point, this imagery, this is a Christmas battle. It, it looks like at this point is that that's when he gets booted out of some sort of cosmic seat of power. And says, I don't want to hear it. It's a lie now. It's a lie. No more audience. It means this. And I want you to breathe this in because this is good news. It means that if there is any accusation against you from yourself, from Satan, or another person, it's a lie. What? Yeah, it's a lie because you're covered in Jesus. It's a lie. Right now, do you have any accusations? And I'm thinking especially against a brother or a sister. It's a lie. The battle's over. Heaven doesn't want to hear about it anymore. In fact, you can just send those accusations to hell because heaven will not hear it. You are covered in Jesus. And that's a battle that is won right now. The accuser can't say anything about you all because of Jesus. <laughs> but we have a problem because there's another Christmas battle that's happening right now. And we know this instinctively around Christmas because it's something that lights or spice mold wine can't fix. And we all feel it intensely. Like you go to the Grove at Christmas time, and it's awesome. And I love it. And it makes me feel warm. Seriously, not joking. And yet I know that is not going to fix the brokenness. But I love it. I love it. I love the lights. And so Revelation 12 recognizes this is woe. The dragon was just given earth to, as a playground. And we see it. It's always fascinating to me that the journalists from the world's largest publications, they try very hard to be non-spiritual and very cosmopolitan and very rational and very amoral, like I'm, I'm not going to bring in religions and moral codes, I'm just going to shoot it straight. Until they witness atrocity. And you will see in the New York Times the word evil. When you see footage of what a human can do to another human, oh, 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 you're not explaining how there were just shifts in the DNA. And one of the murder genes just got hot. You don't explain atrocities that way. You would never call that evil. And, and so what Revelation 12 says, it recognizes that there's a Christmas battle that is happening right now. And it's beyond, it's beyond 
genetic differentiation. And Ephesians 6 tells us this. You, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I know you think you do. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you know what this means? It means that the dragon has been thrown down to earth and the battle is on. And this is what that means. It means most Western Christians, and I mean that in philosophy, not like West Coast, East Coast. Western Christians are more materialistic and humanistic and rationalistic than we like to imagine. Because we don't want to seem like a spiritual nut to our peers. We don't. It means this, is that most of us wake up in the morning deciding what to do. And what I mean by that is we are deciding how to manage the brokenness in my life. How do I pull the levers? Who do I talk to? How do I say it? Who do I need to call? What, what do I need to run? How do I need to execute this plan to make every, to, to do the bro, handle the brokenness? But if we knew there was a spiritual component to all of the brokenness, and we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but there are spiritual realities where the dragon's playing. You know what we might do? We might wake up praying. We might do that. And you know what? And this, is, this has happened to me, and I, I've had to relearn it over and over, is I might have to hit midday where the anxiety is kicking me, and I might have to pray at midday. And I might have to stop mid-afternoon after a troubling call, and I might have to pray. And I might have to duck into a bathroom before a meeting to pray. Look, we might begin to pray so much, and we're doing it all the time, that it would sound to people like, well, it sounds like you're praying without ceasing or something. Like, that, that's what I'm saying, is if we believe the devil is in a playground, we would pray. This is the battle that we are in. This is the battle that is happening. And you're not accused, though. And when you're not accused, it gives people confidence. I have seen, and I'm going to talk more about the dudes here, okay? But I've seen in my ministry is when you have dudes who are Jesus followers who have diminished confidence. It is because they are accusing themselves of some stuff that's going on in their life, and they're like, I can't stand, I cannot, I won't do it, I, because I feel diminished. Uh, the accuser's getting at them. But I see guys with great confidence, and do you know why are they getting that confidence? They're like, I am not accused. But you did, guess what, Jesus. I saw you, Jesus. I know your past, Jesus. And guys that are that confident will enter in to a battleground and fight for the renewal of a place. But diminished men are accusing themselves.
We are in this battle right now that's happening, and let me just tell you something. I love this old word. It's, a, it's sort of Shakespearean, right? We are beset. It means that there are persistent threats all around us. We are beleaguered. That's an old word. Too. We are beset with problems around us because we're in a battle right now. That's a Christmas battle. You know what else I love about the word beset? It has a second meaning in the Old English. Do you know what the second meaning is in Old English? You're going to love this because I loved it. <laughs> it can mean you're covered. So let me read you a sample sentence. Like the blades of grass that were beset with dew, glittering like jewels. That's Christmas battle. We are beset with persistent threats around us. And we are beset, covered with the righteousness and armor of God himself. That's Christmas battle. But in this anticipation, for the battle, Christmas battle to end all Christmas battles, we know, oh, the dragon has a timer over his head. Revelation 12 tells us this, his time is short. We sang a song, a mighty fortress is our God at the beginning. And it's in there it says, one little word will fell him. I want to see that Christmas battle. I, I want to be with you guys when that battle goes down. Christmas future, I, that's where I want to be. And the dawn's going to come. And when you think you've lost all hope, there it is. A couple weeks ago, I was watching the Alabama-Auburn game with my son. And they were going to lose. It was fourth and 31. He had a score. And we were like... <laughs> he even said, man... Why are they so trash? <laughs> right, just like, done. And then, last second throw, oh, we won. Knew it. <laughs> Knew it. That sadness, and this is what I, I want you to get, is I, I cannot tell you, in one microsecond, the sadness turned to gladness. Um, I think they're, what? And we were jumping up and down. Like, like, like we're going crazy. I, I did some unpastorly things. I got up on the couch. <laughs> what? And, and this is why I want, that Christmas battle is the sadness that we're a part of is instantly going to switch. And that sounds like Psalm 30. And, Women at a party, that's going to be my new favorite.
Christmas battle. Jesus, um, by your power, you have thrown the dragon down, and so no one accuses us anymore. That's huge. Thank you for that confidence. By your power, um, the battle will be yours in the future with it. No more, no more mess with your creation. Give us the ability to trust inside the battle and appeal to you, the one who is winning. Draw us into faith and trust and leaning on and petitioning and prayer and, and asking and would you please help? Would you please just wherever we are in our days, in our routines, in our schedules, in our meetings, in our, our conflicts, would we call upon you for help? And would you answer? Would you answer? In Jesus' name, amen.